Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? <laughs> what you gonna do when they come back for season three? That's oh. right, we're back with our boys podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete for some reason. And we are going to be talking about the boys season three premiere payback. Yes. Yeah, here we go. Get ready for some payback and get ready to watch the episode first over on Prime Video because we're going to discuss it. We're going to spoil it. We're going to talk about the big gross moments that happened here that made me recoil in horror, to be perfectly honest, throughout the episode. Um, But before we get there, a brief little recap about season two as well as this episode. So leading up to here, there's been some big status quo changes for the world of the boys. Specifically, the boys kind of won a little bit. They managed to reveal the truth about Compound V, the thing that created superheroes. They revealed Mm -hmm. that Voight International was behind it. They helped beat Stormfront, the Nazi who was hooking up with Homelander. And ultimately, Homelander was essentially neutered working by Starlight and Queen Maeve, who are now essentially in charge of the Seven themselves. Meanwhile, on the boys' end, Huey left them to go work for Victoria Newman, a congresswoman who we catch up with here. We know she is the head popper from last season. Nobody else knows that until the end of this episode, and we'll get into that in a moment. But uh, he wants to do the right thing, and as we pick up here... Butcher is essentially working for Huey, stifling down his impulses, just trying to spend time with Ryan, the son of his wife, as well as Homelander. And Homelander is frustrated the entire time because he has been neutered, as we mentioned, Uh, though he reaches kind of a... Uh, what's the opposite of a non-aggression pact? An aggression pact, I guess, with Butcher by the end of the episode. Uh, And Butcher is on a potential mission of his own to try to trace down what happened to Soldier Boy, played by new star Jensen Ackles, uh, and what happened to him back in the day, and potentially use that as information and a weapon against Homelander. We'll get into more of that. We also catch up with the rest of the characters, what's going on with them. There's some status quo changes for Starlight here. She gets offered the co-captainship. We get a new drug called V24 that gives people powers for 24 hours. There's a tease of that, though we don't get too much of it. And we get to see a dude run up another dude's pee hole. So fun times, fun times. It's finally the part of the pee hole that I haven't been able to see. (laughs) The inside. (laughs) Before we get into those specifics, though, I I do want to do a little, you know, a little vibe check going on here. Obviously, we love the first two seasons of The Boys. We're very early in the going. It's even possible that people watched the first three episodes before they're listening to this. So maybe they have a better idea of where things are going than us. But we're only talking about the first episode here. What did you guys think about the premiere? I thought it was great. I mean, The Boys is such a good show in that they're able to constantly be maintaining uh, the, the identity of the show, its own keeping its own identity, while at the same time sort of absorbing all the changes in superhero content uh, as each season goes on. We get that here. It's also serving the original comic book uh, series. We get uh, some uh, sort of light references to a, a lot of that stuff. And uh, balance a lot of characters like you really see what maybe they're going to follow up on for this season. And it's exciting in each individual way. Pete, what about you? What would you think about this episode? 
Uh, well, it's exciting that it's back. Um, I had forgotten about uh, your singing at the beginning of the episode, which I wasn't excited for. But you know, you're you talking about this take, podcast. You're talking uh, about Alex didn't sing the in the bad. TV show. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I did the entire time I was watching. I didn't hear a lot of the dialogue, to be honest. Oh, weird, yeah. weird. But uh, I do think, though, that um, it's insane in such a cool, fun way. It's one of those shows that is just like you're worried about what gross thing is going to happen, what kind of thing that you're going to discover these horrible people are up to. And uh, sometimes uh, you're just uh, horribly surprised, but it's, it's very creative and really hilarious. And, uh, you know, just seeing the deep again was so, uh, so much fun. It was, it's a, it's a hell of a show, man. I'm glad it's back. Yeah, I'm also glad it's back. I think maybe I was a little more mixed than you guys, only because I felt like there was a lot of pickup from the last season going on here. Not necessarily in a bad way, but even with all the recap at the beginning of the episode, it kind of felt like it thrust you in. And this felt like the next episode of season two to me in a certain way. That said... We are getting some good teases here for what's coming down the road, or at least what I think is coming down the road in terms of this new type of Compound V. Soldier Boy, we know for a fact, is going to be a big, big part of the season in some way. So we're getting those teases there. Uh, But a lot of the other stuff, it it didn't feel season premiere-y to me in a certain way, like mission statement-y to me. Um, But again, I think that's also part and parcel with knowing that they're doing this three episode premiere thing. So just by the function of three episodes premiering at the same time, you, you don't need to worry about that quite as much as say a broadcast or one episode premiere. Uh, mm. I think that's fair, but I, and I do agree with you. Like this definitely felt like the empire strikes back kind of like, there's just a lot of, uh, you're supposed to know the characters going in. You're supposed to feel the pressure coming from all around them and not necessarily get that sort of mission statement. All right, let's go do this or, or all, or anything that is really like a driving action. It's sort of like tonally like, uh Oh, there's bad stuff everywhere. And our characters aren't in the, they're not getting along like how you want them to, but and we got to fix that. I also think that there's there's an interesting thing in this episode where they are kind of like we're checking in with a lot of the characters about where they are and the choices they've made to get there. But there's also these moments where you're sitting in these things of like like a train and Huey, where they're kind of like, hey, who would have thought this would happen? Like if you don't know their history and kind of everything they've been through, like that moment is so intense and so messed up and like, uh, it. You know, then they didn't really explain it. They just want if you've been watching, you know how fucked up it is. So uh, I do think that we're getting kind of a little bit of both, which is cool. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said. I'm always a fan of series that respect the intelligence of the viewers. And that moment that you're talking about exactly, it's just kind of rolling with it. You know something tense is going on if for whatever reason this is the first episode of the show. But obviously, you've been watching for a while. You know, we started with A-Train killing his girlfriend. Oh, gee. Running through her, not mm-hmm. like... Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's killing and then there's running through somebody. You know, Not in mean? a court of law, man. Not in a court of law. All right, well. Wow. They look at everything. <laughs> Last time I checked, like, we, all we crimes have been, are even. <laughs> I know you've been watching the, you know, the Johnny Depp Amanda Heard thing all religiously. Oh, so, so please, <laughs> we're not, we're not in what that. We're not in the court of law. No, no, um, just not even great, joking about it. That's great. 
great okay. stuff um, from the gang here. Uh, a lot of hot takes. <laughs> a lot, not even a hot take, but just uh, j- walking into the hot take room and pointing, <laughs> which is uh, yeah. right where we want to be. Um, yeah. I, hey, I'm, tra- I'm trading to work. walk on coals. I'm going to start with a volcano. Nice. Yeah. Um, and congrats on that. You're going to kill at the luau. Uh, the, I agree with that, like all of that. Like this show, it rewards the, the viewer that understands it, um, that knows the show super well. But it also does such a good job of putting all of keeping all these characters who have every reason to hate each other and want to run through each other and putting them right together. And even in this episode, pushing them closer. Uh, Later in the episode, we get the uh, great Homelander butcher uh, hang sesh. Oh, man. Yeah, I think. I mean, it was a pretty obvious metaphor that they were going there with the teapot slowly going off as Homelander is outside. But that, to me, encapsulates what this episode is. Like, things have not quite boiled over yet. We're just at the point where it's this slow simmer. You're getting the tea whistle going in the background like you guys have been talking about. And... Yes, there are lots of explosions. There's a big thing that happened at the end of the episode with Victoria Newman, of course, where a lot of things become clear. And uh, I do think kicks off probably a lot of the main action of the season. Uh, but like we were talking about, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's the slow simmer of a start to me, you know? Yeah, but I love a simmer, especially when I'm making tea. Oh, there you go. Uh, well, why don't we jump into the episode and talk about some of the big moments? We could kick it off right at the beginning with this Avengers-esque yeah. beginning. We get to see the Dawn of the Seven movie. And I'm going to do a big spoiler for another movie here, another movie that came out this summer, mm. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So turn away if you don't want to hear. But big summer for Charlize Theron. Dude, cameos. she's killing yeah. it. She she's is great. killing the game. It was hilarious. I was, I literally said out loud, like, oh, my God, it's famous actress Charlize Theron. <laughs> oh. um, but it, it's like it, she is just the button for uh, for the time right now. It's like you need a good button. Hey, call Charlize. Yeah. She'd kill it. Well, it's it's a perfect actress for the role too because uh, not to get too much into it but there was a whole thing about Aya Cash who is Jewish playing Stormfront and how that sort of played against expectations there and then you get Charlize Theron who looks like you know she's blonde she's got the Aryan ideal there so there is even this level of casting her very specifically as the part of Stormfront in the movie as they're trying to frame up Stormfront as the real villain here at distance Homelander from it. it. It's a smart double, maybe even triple layer of commentary going on there. Besides, beyond just being fun to see her in the role. Yeah. And also yeah. it's always fun because it's like you get this fun kind of like behind the scenes fake kind of view of movies of like they they do a good job of like, oh, this is definitely not our show. Like, by the way, it's shot and all, all that stuff. So it's cool to know, like, when we're in a movie, when we're not kind of thing. Well, the boys has always been good about making fun of uh, the rest of the superhero content. And they do it again here. The scene is actually really good, I thought. But it does Mm -hmm. make because it is making fun of superhero dialogue, how so many superhero movies, specifically Zack Snyder movies, if I can get specific. Oh, boy. um, Hot takes uh, Where it's just like arch overwrought dialogue, um, characters just standing around staring at each other. Yeah. Then we get after in the, the behind the scenes stuff, we get the release the cut stuff. The director is uh, <laughs> fucking Ashley in the bathroom. Well, that, he, he, oh calls out, 
he calls out specifically that Tony Gilroy reshot most of the movie, which is a shout out to what happened on Rogue One, if I remember correctly, right. uh, where he came in and reshot it uh, uncredited um, or credited. I honestly don't remember. But yeah, all of that stuff is very funny. The red carpet stuff is fun. They excel there. Later on in the episode, they have the whole reality TV thing. And there's that quick aside Great. about running lines where Huey's like, for reality TV. And then they're like, that's the reality behind the reality. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. It's for real. Truth. Uh, one thing before we move off it, there's just this great throwaway line in the middle of the movie scene um, where they're all fighting and you hear someone like, Get, grab the flash drive. And I thought that was such a funny like joke about overly complicated superhero movie plots where they're in their big battle. And they have to get some flash drive for something mm-hmm. that doesn't make me as meaningless well, in the long run. That was the scene that they were shooting last season, right? Like, wasn't yeah. that that whole thing? And yeah. then there's also, they tie up a little bit because A-Train was kicked out of the seven mm-hmm. and kicked out of the movie. And then he comes back in the scene and he's like, can't let you guys have all the fun. So he gets back in there. So there's a lot of stuff going on there, which is very fun. And I also think contrasting what I said earlier, this red carpet is a very smart, easy way of reestablishing all of these character relationships, how everybody feels about each other, recapping the information that you need to know to get into the season, particularly what's going on with Homelander. We get a couple of really nice uh, shot things here. One in the premiere Homelander staring at the screen. There's a very brief shot of Stan Edgar looking over at him and checking in how he's feeling during the scene. And then we get that montage at the end of the carpet of him repeating the line about Stormfront and his relationship over and over and over again. Great stuff. Uh, But also like the that kind of like buzzing noise and that kind of like intense uh, kind of like no sound when we're kind of on Homelander of him just kind of like, you know, being this tea kettle that's ready to blow is just been it's such a cool idea that they kind of use throughout the episode that is just so scary and such a interesting sound choice. But I wanted to jump back to the the scene in the uh, the bathroom was such a crazy scene because like the the. What started out as like an assistant lady who's working her way up through Vought now, like she had this moment where her hair was falling out and she's freaking out. But then in the bathroom, she's like, pull out my hair. And the guy's like crying, doing it. Oh, my God. Just so intense. She likes it. Yeah. Uh-huh. She's great. Colby Minifee is great. She's one of my favorite parts of the show. Yeah, also, it's PJ so Burns. I'm so worried about her, though. Like, oh. Uh, who plays the director. And I, I think both of them, it's great that they just keep these characters going in this world, that it's not just the seven. It's not just the boys. There's all of these other characters that play into it. They yeah. all have their very specific character games, and they're fun to watch every time. Yeah, they when I, I last um, year I was working on the or two years ago, I guess the boys after show for season two. And we built a whole running bit on um, on Colby's character and what she was up to, because throughout all of season two, some wild situation would happen. And it wasn't necessary to the show, but that's what's so good about the show is the detail. And you pop in and she's just going through some crazy thing. And we get that here already. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Well, why don't we jump over one other thing that I thought was really nice to see right at the top here, which I was very pleasantly surprised about and played out throughout the episode, is Huey and Starlight are openly together after having to hide and going back and forth and fighting and so many different things over the past two seasons. Here they are on the carpet together. Granted, there's a little bit of a moment where she steps forward to take pictures and he has to step back, but... 
What do you think overall about them and their relationship in this episode? Pete, as our rom-com expert, I want to go over to you. Well, yeah. I mean, what was great was we got that kind of like sweet moment with them in the morning where they're just so happy to be together. Brushing their teeth. Yeah. Like, but I'm just. sex. Well, to be fair, he brushed his teeth. We don't know about her teeth. Oh, my God. Oh, good I, call. I, oh, my God. But honestly, I, I'm fi- that's what I'm, I'm about that. If you watch that's, the deleted scenes, there's a scene where he says, I like your stink breath. And I can see why they cut it out because yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, and there's a fun bit where she he was like, "Should I?" You know, later he's like, "Should I?" You know, fresh it up, and she was like, "Don't." Uh, I think it was like he used Aqua Fresh or something. But anyways, I think it's it's hard because it feels like they're heading for a fall, especially when she gets kind of power hungry with the op uh, the option of like uh, co captain, and then Huey calls out like, "You're turning into your mom," which is a horrible thing to. Uh, say to somebody, but I just think it's one of I those. Like my mom. Well, yeah, it depends yeah, on the I'd, parent I'd relationship. In, I'd love to turn into my mom. Well, congratulations, <laughs> great. You're, 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 you're getting closer every day. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> you're killing it. By the way, thank um, you. Anyways, I, thanks, son. I, I, I'm sorry to see. <laughs> don't you dare. I'm sorry. No, to that's s- the sort of thing a mom says. Thanks, son. That's yeah. right. I, I yeah, I know why you're saying it, but don't 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 do that. Um, I have I, two sons. Son, son. son. <laughs> You're you not need to calm down. To you're you're, 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 do not do really not yell at your mother, son. Do not yell at your mother. Do not yell at your mother like that. You need, you need a, a timeout. Time you're one at a timeout. So listen, what I'm saying is, it's tough because it feels like they're going to fall apart because they set them up so sweet and so in love and having such a great moment that you worry that like this is going to come crashing down and and it'd be horrible. So I'm really worried about their relationship. I mean, I agree. It's always a bad sign when they're super happy at the beginning of the season because they're <laughs> definitely going to go through it. Um, yeah. I also thought it's interesting. Obviously, it changes perhaps by the end of the episode. But the way that um, Huey and uh, Newman's relationship is going is very like I could see a love triangle built around Huey Stop. going on watching. here, which you never saw that coming. Well, what you did see coming was Huey being like, man, yeah, I had to get this job because I'm sick of people blowing up around me and getting covered in blood. And you're like, ooh, that's going to happen to him. And yeah, I want to just because we're bringing this up right now, my biggest disappointment with the episode, I totally agree with you, Pete. I was looking forward to that. And at the end of the episode, uh, what's her name? Newman blows up Tony. Yeah. And. I wanted to see him get grosser. Like he got like a little bit on himself. I wanted a whole ass wow. chunk to fall out his head and just for okay. him to get totally wet. With I mean, the shot of that dude with just his throat open was so disgusting. So I was enough. But I, I think like, to really like punch the joke of Huey ex- doing exactly what you're saying, you got to dredge him at that point. But I could see I think that. maybe the I'll idea live. is he's he's grown up a little bit, so he's getting less covered in blood. He's wearing hmm. big boy clothes. So he's avoiding the big boy splooches. Spoken like a real mommy. <laughs> oh boy. Our big boy's grown up, not you, Pete Hewing. Yeah. I liked how the storyline played out. I, I agree with you guys that I think we are heading towards some rough times with Starlight and Huey. But what I appreciate about the storyline is I didn't. You see Starlight hanging out with her ex boyfriend back from her Christian youth days. They oh. clearly have a connection. But it's Huey who, as typical, starts overthinking it and screwing it up. Because I don't think 
she is attracted to this guy. Yeah. Maybe this guy will turn out to be attracted to her and there'll be some sort of twist. Yeah. But right now, I think they're just friends and they're bonding. And it's all Huey overthinking it and ruining the things for himself. Conversely to how the Newman thing gets ruined for him, um, he's a sucker there. He's not being a sucker for Starlight, but he thinks he is. So he, he gets yeah. himself well, in more it's, trouble. Than it's got to be a tougher dynamic if you're dating a superhero and, you know, maybe you feel a little less than and that kind of plays into it a little bit. Well, I mean, I think of my wife as a superhero and we don't have any I, problems. I, Go ahead, Pete. I was going to say <laughs> my I family is doing great. All of, that's all I'm saying. Everybody's great. Yeah. All right. I love well, them all. I, there's Have you been other... home alone for a while or something? <laughs> yeah. You sound like there's other Kevin. You know, <laughs> options than just your family. You know what I mean? Like there's right. other source material we can not, pull not from and I'm talk aware about. Of. Okay. Well, aware of. Alex hasn't seen a lot of Congratulations. I guess congratulations <laughs> for your wife. Well, as long as you just when you finally get back into socializing, Alex, just ease into it. Don't like throw a party and invite a bunch of people over because that would make you truly mad. <laughs> How talk to other people. Do uh, not 100%. know. Don't know. 100 percent. That's we had so many podcasts where you're like, all right, start over. Alex slipped into nonsense. talk. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but to, to talk about like Starlight and Huey have been through that sort of less than dance before. And this feels more like a traditional, like, can you guys just get over yourselves and mm-hmm. be in love? Like you're meant to be. Um, and I hope they don't like fully blow that up. Cause if, if Starlight's arc this season and the way it's starting anyway, where she's going to like become this co-captain and get caught up in all of that hype, trying to keep her 96th. Um, the Q rating or whatever it is like that's we've sort of seen that her getting sort of sucked in but she's always strong to in maintaining her actual personality I hope um, we don't have to go down that same path but I trust these writers to not take us anywhere we've been before like we're not going to be back in a pee hole this year no no, we, that would never not. happen. That would never happen. Just to finish up about the Starlight thing, though, and the co-captaincy, I do actually like where they're heading her with that. I I would suspect that it's not about the power corrupting her so much as her taking this job, thinking she could make real change, and ultimately finding out through brave bureaucracy and other reasons. Yeah, why can't. do you? Yeah, why would you think that you would have power? That just. Uh... It's such a corporate. Well, like, I do think it's what she says is exactly the reason that people do this all the time, where she's like, I'm going to be the first female co-captain of any superhero team. I have to do that. And so yeah. that's why people take these things and then they get stimmied for a million different reasons. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting. And the least of which is Homelander hates her. And now she is a oh direct threat to yeah, his power. Exactly. Like, why would you want to get that close to such a nuclear bomb? Because because I think they think they're too safe from Homelander at this point. Like, they think they've got him, you know? Yeah. And he's laser him. eyes. You got he nothing. He's got laser I, eyes. I agree with you. And I think that's the the little oopsie that they're going to have as the season goes on. Because they kind little of... Oopsie. Little oopsie. They've forgotten that he is a complete psychopath. Yeah. And instead... And I think he has forgotten as well. Like, I think that's what we're seeing here is he's frustrated. He's holding all of that in. But we know from watching the show for the past two seasons that he does that. It's going to explode outwards in the worst way possible. Yeah. 
One little moment that I really liked in the co-captain thing that I wanted to throw out there is when Homelander goes into the seven boardroom for the meeting and Stan says, oh, um, it's actually for both you and Starlight. And they have this little foot race to get to the front of the table. And then he just sits down and it cuts to Homelander. He's like, that was great. Good. Like and that, that to me points to exactly how neutered he is. He would yeah. have killed Stan otherwise. And how childish she is. Um, mm-hmm. Like in the way they just play those moments for comedy, but also a little bit of dread uh, is great. But it's also a great example of how they're just two pawns to this giant, uh, you know, business that doesn't give a fuck about them. Well, and if we want to jump into Vault, we get the scene with Stan and um, the uh, presidential hopeful uh, guy. And, you know, Stan's like, I got to get out of this superhero game. And it, he may be lying to him and he may uh, ju- just want to be selling the, the V-24 to, for the super soldier program or whatever. But he also does seem like he hates dealing with these people. He's oh, not yeah. like uh, Elizabeth Shue's character from the first couple seasons who is like sort of got off on the manipulation of Homelander and everyone else. He's like, this is annoying. These people are awful. I have to babysit them. I'm sick of it. I want to go into just regular pharmaceuticals where I can just – be evil and make money. <laughs> it is an interesting turn. And I, yeah, I mean, it could go either way in terms of finding out he is lying and he does have this manipulation. But last season, bringing on Giancarlo Esposito, I think he showed up towards the end of the first season, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But um, he was obviously big last season. It felt like they were playing Gus from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, but in this world. Here, this is a big turn for him, and it's very fun, and I do actually hope they continue in that vein. Like, they oh, He's an amazing life. actor, yeah. yeah. Like, please, give him more. And just uh, real quick, that's the character's name is Robert Singer, who's running for president, and it's played by Jim Beaver, who is sort of a mainstay of Eric Kripke's shows. He was on Supernatural, and I think on Timeless, and probably a couple of other things, but he's great, too. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, cool stuff. Uh, and it ultimately does lead as set up to this V24 ending up in Butcher's hands, uh, which feels like a very uh, ominous thing out there. And we, well, so, and you ahead. know, like, just the, the like, when Butcher gets it, there's kind of like this weight, this moment of, like, you know, Butcher could get even with Homelander and we could have, like, this Superman versus Superman kind of, like, showdown, which... You know, from the previews, it seemed like uh, Butcher was souped up. So, like, holy shit. I bet we're going to get there because there's a great – just to lay that out. Or let's talk about Butcher as a whole. Like, he's working for Huey. No one wants to be in that position, let alone Butcher. (laughs) Um, But also his entrance, you know, where it's like, Jesus Christ. He's like, nope. It's yeah. me, Butcher. Like, oh, he surprises oh, Huey. He, he just, Batman's Huey, and then he's yeah. later Batmaned by Homelander. Yeah, um, in a great way. Uh, but Butcher's frustrated. He wants to kill people, but he's he's restraining himself in the same way that Homelander's restraining himself because of the rules. And we get this great scene that we sort of talked about um, with uh, Termite and the the pee hole crawl and him oh, sneezing and exploding oh, and then the great oh, God. the gross the the Kamiko uh, Frenchie fight was dope um, yeah. and uh, they coke him up but stop short of killing him well I that's was, a th- like having like 
like this so insane moment. And then like, oh, my God, what do we do? How do we stop this guy? And how calmly Butcher just grabs him and throws him in a bag of Coke was just like such an amazing de-escalation that like the character Butcher is like the only guy to kind of like be able to calmly do that after such madness was uh, just such a great kind of like reason for Butcher to exist and be a part of the, the team. It was so cool. I want to throw out a theory to you guys. My theory is, and I don't know if you guys remember this, so I imagine you do. There was a whole joke on the internet leading into Avengers Endgame about how there were going to be Thanos. Yeah. yeah, and the idea was Ant-Man was going to crawl up his ass mm-hmm. and then grow bigger and Thanos would just explode. I bet they talked about that in the boys' writer room. They're like, well, but we could do that. We can yeah. actually do that on our show, and then that's what they did. And I was cringing horribly the entire time. Well, dude, great. the whole line where it was like, "I'm gonna rock your dick, bro." I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, I, like, want, I want you inside of me." And yeah, then, oh my god, I knew the second he said, "I want you inside of me," I was like, "Oh my god, he's gonna lay his dick on the table. He's gonna crawl in his dick. <laughs> I hate this so much." You knew he was gonna 100%. lay his dick on the table. I don't know. How did yeah. you call yep. that? Like, what are you? He's out a, your Alex is a, is a penis psychic. He can predict. Yeah, yeah. He can it's see the him coming. Only thing I can predict. People keep asking me for lottery numbers. And I'm like, I can't tell you that, but I'll tell you what's going to happen to your penis in five years. Oh my yeah. god! Five no, years? Oh, nothing, no, thank nothing you. Good. Nothing yeah. good, man. <laughs> it's not getting better. Uh, yeah, but uh, but that's a, that's where you come for the boy. The boys like goes all the way, yeah, and not only do they imply it. We see it. (laughs) And like that is the extra boy step. And that's why uh, we keep coming back. (laughs) Extra boy step. I'll tell you why. I don't want to shame anybody's kinks or anything like that. That could not feel good. Like, I I don't know how anybody. Yeah. Having a little man crawl up your pee hole. He's not punching. He's just slightly Uh, touching. uh, Wow. (laughs) All right. Not your thing. Not, Not my thing. Yeah, I nice. wanted to reveal on this podcast that having a tidy man crawl up my pee hole and feel the inside of my penis is not my thing. Sorry, guys. Well, hey, man. Well, Al, you're... Um, oh, it sounds like it is both of your thing? Is that what I'm getting here? Alex, your, your, your browser search history. <laughs> would argue you're a psychic for that, right? Oh, browser God. history? Yeah, I'm the most yeah. dangerous man in the world. Ooh, I can't there you are. Browser, yeah. browser history. <laughs> Do not Browser history, yeah, would be the worst, though. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, we mentioned Frenchie and the female Frenchie and Kamiko before, and that's another relationship that we so have. So happy to see them back like just just seeing their faces i was like oh yay they're still together well what did you think about this what did you think about there's not a ton of stuff that's going on there but we do get to see kamiko sing which is fun she sings dream a little dream and later on she's playing because it's pleasant to hear so it's nice when somebody like that sings Mm. yeah Oh, I see what you're interesting. saying. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> wow. But Burn. interestingly, that's all in her head, and she feels confident about it. And I guess part of the arc is going to be about not shaming people about their musical ability or lack thereof and just letting them go forward with it, whatever, right? Peace? Yeah, I mean, the only problem is if other people have to hear it, you know what I mean? Like, it can oh, be Oh, okay, so discussed. you're the butcher in this situation. Always. Telling, okay, tell, telling Alex, Alex don't up. accidentally compliment him. <laughs> Always the butcher. So you're the butcher in this. Yes, I am. <laughs> I am happy. Oh, 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 I'm my favorite character on TV. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, uh, great. I, I, I thought this was great, though. I love this as a new 
thing for her. I mean, this is also, I guess, a little bit of a spoiler, but they've already been upfront about this and had this in the promos. I guess there's going to be a musical episode later on in the season. Oh, wow. So it's exciting to see this probably setting that up. And yeah, I loved seeing I loved seeing the two of them together. Also, it's just funny with her like trying to learn to play the piano or practicing playing the piano and like that driving butcher insane was just such a fun fun bit as well. It was so innocent, but also like just seeing Butcher's face having to be in the room. Well, and like, I thought it was interesting seeing, again, paralleling Homelander, who we already talked about, growing frustrated with his circumstances. And then we get the same thing with Butcher, with that scene frustrates him, he does the right thing, and then Termite gets released, as we find out in the scene uh, at sort of at the headquarters. Butcher goes to see his sort of son, and I think he is like, he's parenting him in like a really like yeah. kind, careful way in service of his wife who died. But that's also frustrating for him, I think. It's Homelander's, like, biological kid, his wife. He it's he doesn't like soups, and here he is, like, parenting a soup on the side in secret. So that's a whole other level of frustration. Here. Well, and this also, that to me feels like a fraught situation as well, something that I don't know if they're going to do it this season, but it feels like it needs to come to a head at this some point because you have Ryan – not being raised the same way as Homelander, but Homelander was raised in isolation. Ryan is also being raised in isolation, though, albeit better. But also he killed his own mom and fried Stormfront. And that's something that he hasn't really had to deal with. He talks about these yeah. nightmares that he's having. Well, this is what I'm saying is to me, almost more than anything else on the show right now, Ryan feels like this ticking time bomb in the background that's going to go off at some point. Oh, in a show filled with ticking time bombs, <laughs> there's yet another one here. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, Butcher watching this the fight video, the, the video that they have as their evidence gets Homelander. I could just see him wanting to post it online right in that moment. And, and he's not doing it. And it all builds. He meets Maeve. Uh, she's like, they have this plan involving Soldier Boy, but... All building to him, she gives him the V24, like we were talking about earlier, and he, like, looks at it, and he wants to take it. And that's why he dumps it down the sink, but then he's interrupted. He almost dumps it down the sink, but he's stopped, and he puts it in the terror cookie jar. Yeah, but there's this, like... One of the things I think is interesting is the way kind of we're seeing Parrington and different parenting styles where it's like we have mother's milk and he is jealous of like this dad who is like making a complete ass of himself dressing up in this super suit and looks ridiculous. But yet he is closer to his kids than he is. And he's like Mm -hmm. this outsider looking in. And it's like this interesting thing of like, how maybe Butcher is begrudgingly being a parent, whereas Mother's Milk would kind of like kill to have that kind of access almost, where it's like this interesting kind of thing that they're playing with and the different roles that these parents are kind of like taking on, these people who are their parents. Like, uh, you know, and you see Mother's Milk struggling with the the fact of like this other dad stepping in for a picture. Like he got one picture, but the other dad got two. And then he wanted to kind uh, of like... Keep it sco- over here. Well, it's just this. It's a uh, you know we a character we know and like, and it seems like a decent person, which is rare for this show. So it's somebody I'm rooting for, and then kind of like watching their face react to these things. 
just very cool and very interesting and uh, also just super powerful and sad, you know, the, the lack of or the too much of. So it's, a, it's this interesting thing that they're playing with. Well, I mean, to talk about what uh, a little further about your point, Pete, I think one of the big themes of the episode is when we pick up with everybody, except for Huey, who seems to have gotten everything he's ever wanted, he thinks, at least at the beginning, everybody has gotten like 75 to 80 percent of what they said they want and then have found out, even if it's in the back of their head, even if they don't know it, that's not actually what they want or not what they need. And I think that comes down to the mother's milk storyline where he's talking about, I'm all done with the soup stuff. I'm not into it. I'm cool with it. It's all good. And then he has a closet full oh, of evidence yeah. about he's in the gag. He's yeah, in so it. He's still in there. And it's the same thing with all of the characters. They're all like, they want a little bit more. They want something else. They're, they're doing fine, but fine is not good enough. And yeah. they're dealing with all these addictions, all of these things in the background that ultimately may pull them back to a dark place. But I think that's kind of where all these characters need to be, you know? Well, and I think a a good metaphor to use for it, and let me know if you've ever heard this before, but they're Mm. all like standing in a pee hole about to sneeze. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I think think that's from, uh, it's a Shakespearean. uh, It goes back. Okay, I was going to say, I know Biden used that in his presidential (laughs) speech. (laughs) (laughs) He uses it a lot. America is uh, standing standing in a pee hole. <laughs> and he was talking about COVID specifically. So. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, that's but the yeah, most there's dangerous a... pee hole sneeze is a COVID <laughs> But there's also this very quick scene where we get Simon Pegg and Stewie just kind of hangs up on him. Is like being short with his dad. So it's. Huey. Uh, Huey. Yeah. You said Stewie. Oh, oh you sorry. mean Stewie from <laughs> Family Guy? No, Family I, Guy. I, I, I thought I said Huey. I apologize. No, no, no. It's okay. I was trying to think. I was like, wait, does he mean Sean as in Sean of the Dead? No, okay. Yeah. Just, okay. Yeah. We figured it out. We worked it out, everybody. It's all Peg good. Great. I'm sorry. That's friendship right there. <laughs> yes. But that was very fun seeing Simon Pegg again as the yeah. dad. Very cute. Love him. Let's oh, see yeah. more. Um, what other moments from the episode should we talk about? Uh, well, we have the, the, oh. the reveal that Stormfront is still alive, and mm. she has at least one working hand. Oh my god! Um, oh. As we, <laughs> one of the sad, obviously Stormfront's an awful Nazi villain, but that scene was still sad. Oh my <laughs> yes, god. yeah, uh, I um, kept vacillating between like, don't say uh, vast death for. I kept vacill, I kept vacillating yeah. between. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Alex. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, yeah. ma- no, ma- I'm ma- done. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> the uh, I don't know. Yes, that was a sad scene. What else do you guys want to call it? I mean, it was uh, a, it was heartbreaking, but also she's such a horrible person. So it's 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 impressive the way that they are dealing with people like the deep is a great example horrible person but also you're laughing at him but also sometimes with him and then to like you know you this horrible nazi woman and i yeah just uh, yeah just so creepy in so many ways yeah and they again they just show it they yeah they blinking do. and like the deep is similarly i'm like that like like you said pete like not a good guy, nope. but man, I love seeing him on this show. He is constantly overstepping and then backpedaling in a way that as is fast just as so fun. It's so good. And like the scene he has with Homelander, uh, he's flexing on him and Homelander's like, what'd you say? He's like, yeah. oh, nothing. Stupid. That's stupid. 
I'm going to go back underwater. It's so good. <laughs> the button on that scene where Deep turns to his wife and says, I think that went well. Was yeah, perfect. so good. Perfect yeah, it's, so good. Scene. it's good. Also, the Cameron Coleman show, that ties into the series that they did between seasons where they had little Vought News Network yeah. updates. So that was fun to see, just like uh, tying in the alternate reality stuff that they're doing. Um, what A couple else? other lines I, I yeah. want to shout out. Um, uh, the Deep saying that he um, he didn't even write his book. He had Shia LaBeouf's Ghostwriter. <laughs> Very funny. Um, Little Orphan Alki. Uh, great joke on uh, Starlight. Um, the uh, If you want to watch me have a wank, it'll cost a tenner. Um, I also love how Homelander calls uh, Butcher William. It's such a small little writing choice that I think is so funny and good. Yeah. Also, the cap of that scene where they sort of make a tacit agreement to go scorched earth on each other because neither of them is happy. I do wonder, given that we know that Butcher is almost definitely going to use the V24 this season and get powers, whether that is the ultimate fuck up here, that it's almost like Butcher and Homelander together are these villains for the show and bringing the world back down to their muck because that's the place that they're comfortable. Well, uh, Butcher's whole power is not using soups so that he can, he just plans ahead and always has the next move. If his next move is just to take the V24, then I, I would argue he's lost his butcherness and he will be um, just out in front of his skis on that. Which is funny because I would say, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, this is probably the most Carl Urban has been like Butcher from the comics, I would say, in this episode, yeah. um, which I really liked quite a bit. I did want to give a shout out. We didn't really talk about A-Train's arc here. I mean, it doesn't have too much of an arc, but he shows up um, very briefly and Homelander goes hard on him because he's getting Shake Shack shakes and he's eating too much and he's gained a little weight. This obviously ties to the fact that he almost had a heart attack and died last yeah. season, which we know. But it really does sort of point to this interesting, upsetting cycle of abuse that is happening with A-Train abuses people, Homelander abuses him. Homelander feels abused by everybody, but he can't actually be abused because he's all powerful. Um, so lots of stuff going on there. That you well, and it folds well, back to Stan's speech with the, um, with the presidential hopeful. Uh, he, he's like, these people they're we can't help them. They're all caught up in their own vices. It's just a cycle. And I want out of it. And then we see it play out in all these situations. You just laid out. Yeah. Uh, I'm also uh, very interested in Maeve's storyline because you know, she was kind of like held hostage by uh, Homelander and seems to maybe be a little bit uh, freer and looser. So I'm excited for hopefully Maeve joining the good guys a little bit and kind of helping a little bit more because I don't want to see her on the sidelines. I want Maeve to be a part of this kind of like taking down Homelander. And we kind of got a tease of that. And I'm really hoping that that happens because... Uh, yeah, I, I, Maeve's a great character. She's been through a lot, and I'd like to see her get some uh, get some wins. It seems like she's like a, a Wonder Woman um, uh, type character, but it feels like in this episode anyway, she's almost in the Black Widow role. She's mm -hmm. a little bit covert. She's running the next big plan to try to get it done, and and I sort of like that for her. I think um, I think that could be cool. And we didn't really talk about 
Payback, the sort of Avengers-esque super team that the episode is named for and how they're going to become some sort of uh, role here in this season. Yeah. Yeah. We have Crimson Countess, who's played by Laurie Holden from The Walking Dead, and the other one is Gunsmoke, Gunpowder, I think, uh, who's the sidekick. So we get to see them and a couple of other characters. Should be really interesting to follow them. Obviously excited about Jensen Ackles working once again with Eric Kripke from Supernatural uh, as probably a dark, messed-up Captain America the way Soldier Boy is best known for the comics is there's a cover of him pissing his pants, and you can just see yellow stain, and that's it. Seems like they're going in a different direction here. Yeah, sure does. Yeah, yeah. maybe we'll get the reference. Maybe we'll see. Maybe uh, one one line I wanted to bring up that was really fun and uh, kind of really points to the fun that is Huey and Starlight when they're together and uh, uh, doing well. Their kind of back and forth is very enjoyable when Starlight's kind of revealing you know, the relationship that she had with that dude. And she was like, yeah, yeah, we were super religious. So, you know, just a ton of butt stuff. And uh, it was so funny. And Huey's face was really, it was such a funny moment. That was very fun. The last thing that we should talk about before we start to wrap up here, we mentioned the Victoria Newman stuff that happens at the end, but where we leave off is it's revealed to Huey that she is the head popper in absolutely bloody fashion. This new guy, Tony, calls her Nadia. We don't know exactly what's going on there. And she calls somebody for a cleanup, and Huey is left behind knowing all of this information, knowing that his entire life is about to be totally fucked up once again. Uh, what do you think's going on here? What are your best Well, I just wanted to oh, say, yeah. like, also it was at night, so maybe we couldn't see all of the goop as well he as... He got raid done. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, maybe it was just the lighting of it. Goop rain whenever um, you need me. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, beautiful. I guess that's the end. That means we're, that's like we have two minutes left. Yeah, we have that's a, the, the canary thing. Two minute warning. Two minute warning. Well, we hear uh, Tony like we should tell everyone about Red River. So we don't know what Red River is, but it right. feels like it's going to be uh, similar to the facility from last season that we saw. Mm. Oh, man. Could be a Red River full of blood knowing the show. A Blood River. Yeah, Blood River. That's where Ooh. blood comes from, right? You guys. Yeah, river, that's yeah. where I get it. Yeah, I go to the river and I dip my mouth well, in. Well, you used to you used to have to go to a well to get your blood, right? That's right. That's why my um, blood is so full of um, worms and old leaves. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. That's me. I'm a country boy. Well, <laughs> lots of stuff going on here with country boys and also uptown girls. Before we wrap up here, who was the best boy in the episode? Pete, who was the best boy? Wow. Um, I'm going to have to say this is this is a tough one, um, but I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Mother's Milk. Uh, I, think I knew you. I, I just I'm excited to see him get back into the fold of the team and joining a butcher. And uh, I'm excited to see what that means for for our side. I got to give it up for Butcher. Great Butcher mm. app. Um, I loved every uh, scene with him and really positioning him um, w- sort of aligned with Homelander for a change and against Huey a little bit. And the temptation of the V24 is very exciting. I'm going to give it up to Huey in this episode. Then just seeing him on top of the world, everybody loving him, praising him as this incredible hero who took down Vaught, and then seeing him just come crashing down in the absolute worst way by the end of the episode. Great arc. Classic Huey arc. Very excited to see what's going to happen over the rest of the season. 
And if you would like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about the boys. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Let's Hear It number four, the boys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, boy it out there. I forgot what we yep. said at the end. That's <laughs> it. That's That's it. You're, supposed to, you're supposed to sing it. You're supposed to sing it. Boy it out oh, there. Don't, don't, why, Justin? Why would you do that? Let's hear it for the boys. Stop.